Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hello and welcome to another Ars Blog Ars Cast right here on ArsBlog.OleOle.com. It's another Friday, another week. Loads of football has happened since the last Ars Cast. There's loads still to come, even though we're heading very, very close towards the end of the season. Coming up on this show, I'll be talking to Good Player from GoodPlayer.com, all about the Man United games, the one that's gone and the one that is to come. Also, we'll have Adi Bayor here. Sylvester will be here. Uh, Amari Bischoff PI will be here. And maybe some other things too, or maybe not. Uh, tipple of choice tonight is, is white wine. Yeah, ooh, that was a bit loud. Um, it is a beautiful evening here in Dublin, so um, it's a white wine, chilled white wine from the fridge. It's delicious. It's fantastic. And uh, I'm making the most of the summer because I think that's probably about it. The sun is shining outside. It doesn't happen very often here, so you do have to make the most of it. Uh, so, uh, since the last hour's cast, loads of stuff uh, has happened. My voice as you might hear, is still only just recovering from a weekend in London, which began last Friday, involved about 50 pints of beer um, for me and some rum uh, and uh, a game on Sunday against Borough. Before that was the Ice Block 5-a-side tournament. Um, last year, the green team, of which I'm the captain, travelled to London. We got there on the Friday evening, and, and greens, as we're so disposed to do, um, we sampled the delights of various um, taverns around Islington. And uh, there was a nine o'clock kickoff the next morning, you see, for the five-a-side tournament. And, and d- it didn't necessarily suit us, you, you might say. And we came um, fourth out of four. So this year, with the kickoff at three o'clock, we learned our lesson. Of course, we still sampled the various delights of the taverns, but because it was kicking off at three o'clock, we had plenty of time to recover. Uh, so the green team went out, lost our first two games. <sighs> Thought it was going to be the same old story again, but we got our heads together and won the tournament. Fantastic. We beat the whites, who were the reigning holders, the reds, the blues, who came who came last, sorry, blues, and the piss-drinking yellows. So, uh, as you might imagine, there were many celebrations then on a Saturday night. Uh, many more pints and food and, and everything. And i got to say a big uh, thanks uh, once again to West Antone and to Miss Kay and to Katie Bird and to Dubs and to Mark M and to Esso uh, for giving all their time uh, in doing all the official stuff that needs to be done uh, so the rest of us can run around and enjoy ourselves and uh, score goals like the two goals that I scored against the yellow team to beat them after they beat us and then... Um, Something about drinking their piss, I think. I don't know. Anyway. Uh, 
But thank you guys, and uh, uh, well done to everybody who was involved. It was a fantastic day. Uh, so then on the uh, Sunday, we went to see Arsenal versus Borough. A routine win, you might say. Two goals from Cesc Fabregas playing in the uh, support striker position. Discussion of which still to come uh, with good player. And uh, yeah, I mean, it was fairly routine, wasn't it? Borough didn't look like a team that were fighting for their lives by any stretch of the imagination. They sort of sauntered around and Ali Adier had a little go on goal. So did Marlon King, uh, who apparently is better with his fists than his feet, but I don't know. Uh, And and two goals from Zesk. Uh, His first goal since the game against uh, Sunderland at the Stadium of Light. Uh, So that's a good long time ago. Uh, So a jolly, delightful day for him. And we saw at the game after his uh, four-goal heroics at Anfield, um, Andrei Arshavin, uh, took a fresh air shot and took one shot, which ended up for a corner. But I was very impressed with him, I have to say, uh, in the sense that you can see his experience when he's uh, talking to the other players. He's looking for the ball and he's telling them where to go afterwards. And it, it, it's uh, it's fun to watch him. He's actually just very interesting to watch uh, when you're sitting in the crowd. Uh, Adi Bayor and Diaby came on as substitutes. And I remember thinking at the time, you know, the two of them just kind of strolled on, sauntered on like this was a... Nothing game. And I think it's quite... um, What's the word I'm looking for? Indicative of their attitude in general. That when they come on, they're not busting to come on and make a difference. They just wander around and stroll around. and uh, uh, It stuck with me the way Adibayor performed on Sunday. It was really, really bad, I thought. I know we have a big Champions League game coming up and you don't want him crashing into 50-50 tackles. But at least, you know, make an effort. Put yourself about a bit. And I remember thinking he's got to do an awful lot better than that at Old Trafford. And unfortunately, he didn't. He didn't. He was pretty, pretty brutal. Now, in fairness, as a team, we were not very good at all. United were excellent on the night. Uh, but I thought uh, Adi Bayor, uh, in particular, and Diaby were, were very poor. And didn't necessarily put the effort in. Now, funny thing was, I was looking at the stats on the UEFA site. You know, they tell you how far each player has run in the game. And the Arsenal uh, player who ran the most was uh, Cesc on 13 kilometres and 77 metres. But uh, behind him was Diaby on 12 kilometres, 337 uh, metres. So he obviously ran around a bit, but if he could control a football, he'd be dangerous. And not dribble it around. Uh, I don't know. Uh, Adi Bayor uh, did 8 kilometers, uh, 724 meters in his time on the pitch. So um, while it wasn't a good team performance, and nobody in particular played really, really well, apart from maybe Manuel Almunia, and I think you have to give credit to Kieran Gibbs too, as an 18-year-old going into a high-pressure game like that, he didn't seem phased at all, even though he was left rather exposed from time to time, and his lack of experience showed, which uh, I don't know how you can criticize him for that. He is uh, a player who doesn't have a great deal of experience, so you can't necessarily criticize him for for um, doing things that young players and inexperienced players do. Uh, Alex Song was was good as well, I thought, in the, in the center of midfield. But... Um, you have to think it's advantage United and it's going to be a a very, very difficult game on Tuesday. We are going to have to play about 50 better than we did uh, on Wednesday night at Old Trafford. Like a lot, lot, lot better. We've got to go out in the game like we actually want it. Arsene Wenger was talking about us being audacious before uh, we went to Old Trafford. There was absolutely nothing audacious about the way we played. 
it was audaciously bad, perhaps. So we're, we're going to have to improve big time, I think, if we want to stand any chance of going through. We could go through with one goal, go to a penalty shootout. 2-0 will get us through. If United score, we need to score three goals. They score another, you know how it goes. Um, because the away goals thing is now going to be um, like a, a thing hanging over us, a big heavy weight. Even if we get to 2-0 up, we know that one goal from United, uh, and that's it, it's curtains, provided we don't get another one. So a big improvement all round, and you just have to wonder whether or not we've got the personnel uh, to trouble United in that way. I know we did it at the Grove earlier this season, so the guys are going to have to take an awful lot of heart from that. Uh, and an awful lot of confidence, and they've got to know that they can go out and do it, but I don't know. It's hard to see United not scoring, given the problems that we have in our defence at the moment. So uh, without being too doomy and gloomy about it, it is a bit of an uphill task, I think. So there you go. Anyway, uh, with me now to discuss that game a bit more and the manager's team selection, some of the performances, and uh, and other bits and pieces too, is Goodplayer from goodplayer.com. Hi there. Hi there. Um, I, I've read your blog and, and your uh, opinions on certain issues are, are very, very similar to mine. So I want to maybe go through them um, one by one with regards to the Manchester United game. Uh, the performance, I think uh, we can all uh, agree, wasn't great, but there are uh, various factors in that. Uh, Cesc Fabregas uh, is Arsenal's best central midfield player. Why is Arsene Wenger playing him as a support striker? don't know. Um, he's not just our best central midfield player, he's our best defensive midfield player as well. He's actually mm. played that game very well. He's a very he's quite a good tackler, he's a good tracker. He's very astute aware on the ball as well. You know, he should be there. Does it say a lot maybe about Diaby and Danielson that uh, Wenger has decided to play Fabregas as a support striker and use Nasri, who is probably more natural in that position, uh, or as a wide player, in central midfield ahead of them? I don't, I don't know what it says about them. I think what it says is that he's struck upon this idea of Fabregas and I think our manager's a very stubborn man as a lot of, as a lot of great people are um, and he's the time it's going to work and you know what maybe one day it will work personally I can't see it I don't think he's got the power or the shot of Steven Gerrard um, maybe one day it will work now is not the time to discover um, and I think it was very log- obvious last night I think he should have played Theo where Theo did play Nasri on the left which is where he plays Abu Diaby um, as a second striker, which you know is is where he's had a bit of success in the games where he's been a hit, uh, and Sesk uh, and Song in their normal central midfield burst. You can argue then everyone's in position. Last night, three players: Sesk, Nazari, and Diaby playing out of position. And um, if you look at it, we tend to play quite well when we have players in position, generally speaking. And when we don't, we tend to screw up basically. When you're facing a team like United, who played very well, it has to be said. Uh, you need someone like Sesk to be able to control the play and put his foot on the ball and look up and, and see the kind of a pass that um, Nasri and, and maybe Song um, you know, don't necessarily do. I, is it any surprise that we struggled with all those guys out of, out of position? Uh, no, not really. You know, I think it, 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 it works against Middlesbrough on Sunday because Middlesbrough aren't particularly good. Um, I don't think it was any surprise that we struggled really. I just, it's just it reminds me, it's almost like he's gone in semi-retirement up there because he's a player, he's a player who thrives on being in the middle of things, in the skirmish, and he's such an instinctive player that every time, you know, he's in the middle, he's got five players around him and normally he'll just 
he'll just uh, because he's tackling them, he'll he'll you know be really quick, really sharp. But he keeps keeps getting caught on the ball in this new role, and it's almost he's, he's almost you know like an elderly person says, "Oh, I'm not going to stop working because the second <laughs> I stop working, you know, I'll die." It feels almost half like that. Yeah, I, I, funny enough, I was looking at the stats and and Fabregas covered the most ground in the game by a fairly long distance over Diaby. I think he did nearly a kilometre more than Diaby. So it's not as if he didn't try and put in the shift. But again, I think our best spells of possession came when he dropped back into midfield uh, and got on the ball a bit more. The other talking point really was the performance uh, of Emmanuel Adibayor up top. Uh, the Middlesbrough game on Sunday, he came on and strolled around and maybe we thought, well, you know, he's just trying to save himself a bit for, for Man United. But... Uh, in the Champions League semi-final at Old Trafford against Manchester United, you expect better than than what we got. That's why I feel more strutting from uh, the man you had a bio last night than I did from Thierry Henry, the arch strutter on Tuesday night. And boy, Thierry Henry's got a hell of a lot more right to strut than Emmanuel Adebayor has. Mm. I just, I can't understand it. I mean, it's, the thing that pains me most is that all of those kind of, some of the most pig ignorant people who sit at the ground who just had a go out of bail for everything that almost been through right <laughs> which really annoys me um I, I can't i just can't i can't fathom it i mean i want him to succeed i think he does some good stuff but but we're not stupid as fans and we can tell when players are not running their hearts out and when they are running their hearts out and and let's not kid ourselves and he didn't seem to be if he had an injury fine i'll accept that and i just think he comes it feels like he's got those baggage with him and i think if you contrast it to eduardo and there is none of that baggage. And I suddenly looked and I thought, well, why, why can't we play Eduardo, actually? You know, I mean, maybe he's not fit, but he looked at the second leg. And, and, you know, I just, you don't, the last thing you can have against Man U in these games is players who are not giving 100%. And I thought, Adebayo, and I think DRB to an extent as well, because he's just got that, oh, I don't know, that just that, you know, everyone knows what I mean about him. You just don't need it then. You contrast it to Song, and I thought, you know, played really well and got stuck into everything. But, uh, the big question, I suppose, is um, would would you play him in the second leg, given uh, on the back of the performances? I mean, I suppose the manager's looking at, at uh, something like uh, Villarreal, when he didn't really play particularly well there either, but managed to score the kind of goal that, um, I don't know, maybe only he could score in this particular team. But are you taking a huge risk by playing him in the second leg against Manchester United on the back of the effort that we've seen from him? I don't think I don't I think huge risk is the wrong term because um because he's not a defender um and so he's not going to cost you goals as such um you know he's always going to be okay he's going to be kind of somethingish you know kind of um but it, it, it's he's not going to cost you goals um you can also you can change things if very obviously the strikers if it's not coming off um but I think I think there's a very good case for playing four four two personally. I think you want to play your best players, and if you look at it, both Van Persie, if he's fit, and Eduardo are arguably better players than Abu Dhabi. Um, so what do you do? You play Sesk and Song, you play Walcott and Nazari, and then you play two strikers. Or or if he wants to, he can play four five one. But with the, with Eduardo, or who who actually was playing a lot of, of left wing before he got injured, or Van Persie, who we've seen him play on the left wing as well, kind of in the withdrawn second striker role. You could even play both of them and not play out of bail, but I certainly I certainly think I think you want you want to play your best players. Um and, and I'm not sure Abu DRP is one of our best players and um and you know I know we started off on out of bail and I'm rambling somewhat but um but but I I think you know we need to we need to look at how we can shake it up without panicking obviously and go and go going right. Hmm. I mean let's face it, uh, although we need two goals to go through uh automatically, one goal 
could take us through if we if we draw the game uh, and go to a penalty shootout. It could just mean one goal. So it's not over by any means, but we are in a really, really dangerous position, aren't we, in, in the sense that if United score one, we have to score three. Yeah, we, we are in a very dangerous position. I mean, don't get me wrong, I probably would have t- just about taken one nil before before the start of the tie. You know, um, and I, I know that sounds bad, but we're, we're in a very dangerous position. It's high stakes, high wire stuff. You know, if they score, we've got a big problem. What I'd argue is that we don't need to rush ourselves. We don't need to panic. We don't need to get um, an early goal necessarily. We need to be patient. We need to be mature. And we need to just make sure we get a goal at some point. Um, and, and and go from there. So it's not a great position. It's not the end of the world. And I think Fergie, on 66 minutes, he made those subs because he wanted to close out the tie. Ultimately, he didn't close out the tie. Um, you can forgive, we weren't brilliant in the last 25 minutes, but in a way, we had to look at that game last night after you know 65 minutes and say, well, let's pretend it's nil-nil um, and and see, you know, keep it tight come away with a point if you like if it stays nil nil if we can if we can grab something great. But there really there really wasn't any great reason for us to go for an equalizer when when we could have just ended up costing ourselves the whole tie. So yeah, it, it was strange, a strange one actually watching it. But. Well we'll have to see how it goes on Tuesday. In, in the in between that of course there's a, a league game this weekend against Portsmouth. It's very difficult to to try and uh, put any importance on that game. Obviously a win would, would ensure our uh, Champions League qualification uh, for next year. The manager is probably going to rotate it around a little bit. Um, is there a chance for someone like Eduardo, for example, to play himself into contention for, for a start on Tuesday? Undoubtedly. Um, obviously, Arsenal will be back for Portsmouth. Uh, what a big loss he is in the, uh, in the Champions League. I think Eduardo, yeah, we should really, really be looking at at him, he's a great player, he's a top player, the kind of guy you want on these semi-final nights. Then I think I think Wenger needs to make uh, maybe rest a couple of players. I don't think that's unreasonable. You'd probably bring uh, Danielson in. A lot can happen in the next three years, like a chatbot, maybe your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri-term medical plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Probably bring Jordan in. Um, you know, maybe one or two others, but I don't think you, I think if you put out a shadow team, I think yeah, you can tell, you players start thinking that they're tired, you know, so I, it's a difficult balancing act. I mean, it's, it's, to be honest, it's not a bit, I should be thinking about the Portsmouth game, but I'm not really. All eyes are on Tuesday in a way. You suspect the players are going to be a bit like that as well, aren't they? It's going to be so difficult for them this weekend to to concentrate on on Portsmouth. I know you say they're professionals, etc., etc., but when, you know, the game on Tuesday is surely going to be to the forefront. 
Yeah, no, I think it will be, and I'd, and and they're in a position, you know, in terms of fourth place, where well, they, they can probably afford to um to do that. You know, obviously, we'd like to be challenging for the title, and that and the Portsmouth game meant a lot, but it doesn't. And we um, I I, I wouldn't begrudge any of the players for uh, for not um for not putting their life and limbs on the line. Then again, you know that the ones that will be flying into the tackles will be the ones that are always flying into the tackles, and the ones that won't be are the ones that never do. <laughs> so I think you probably won't. You know, I'm sure you won't see Sanya pulling out, you know, or anything like that. So. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, all right. Okay. Well, uh, we'll get over Portsmouth and then uh, keep our fingers crossed for Tuesday. Good player. Thanks very much. Thanks a lot. Thank you very much to Good Player from GoodPlayer.com. Do check out his blog. Um, now, Addy Bayor during the week was talking about um, how he was after um, a summer move, etc., etc. Um, and he said, uh, I, I'm very happy playing for this club, Arsenal. He said, and to be honest, I am happy that Milan, one of the legendary clubs in the world, were looking at me. For me, that must be something special. It is like a boy being told Beyonce is looking for them. <clears throat> I, I don't know. What can you say about that? Beyonce. AC Milan are Beyonce. Good lad. He obviously thought uh, Beyonce would enjoy him sort of standing around and not winning headers or getting the ball or actually doing anything with the ball. I'm not sure that would impress Beyonce. Strikes me Beyonce would be more impressed with a bit more shuffle, a bit more, you know, rump jiggling or something. Maybe Beyonce would be looking somewhere else. Adibayor. Hello, this is Emmanuel Adibayor. I just want to clear up a couple of things from the last couple of weeks. Firstly, the Man United game. I was up against Vidic and Ferdinand, two of the best central defenders in England. Normally, you see the striker playing against them, and he run here and he run there, and he jump in the head to try and win the header, or he try and be strong, and not let them take the ball off him. All the time, you see the striker do this, and they don't score, so I thought, I'll do something different. My tactic was to stand completely still and fool them into thinking I'm not there. Unfortunately, it didn't work. Also, I want to talk about AC Milan. I talk about AC Milan, and I say that AC Milan is like Beyonce, and Arsenal is like my frumpy fat wife, and AC Milan is like Beyonce, and who wouldn't trade their frumpy fat wife for Beyonce? It's true, all the big clubs in Europe are like a sexy woman. Barcelona is like Halle Berry. Real Madrid is Angelina Jolie. Juventus, Monica Bellucci. And of course, Spurs is like Paris Hilton. They suck any old cock and then make a video out of it. For now though, I leave you with a traditional song from my home country. Now, one of the stories that uh, I didn't cover on the blog this week because there was too much other stuff going on, like football and Champions League semi-finals and all that kind of stuff, uh, was the uh, the reemergence of our old friend Dennis Lachter, who is, of course, the agent, uh, apparently, of Andre Arshavin. I'm not sure if he still is. I was under the impression that he was just sort of representing him in the deal uh, to get him out of uh, Zenit, but uh, I, I might be wrong there anyway. Uh, he came out with some quotes during the week saying, to tell the truth, uh, the players of Arsenal are not easy to deal with. The squad consists almost entirely of foreigners. There are guys like Van Persie and Fabregas who are jealous about Andre's fast-growing popularity in England. He was the target of 
jokes, not very smart jokes, but that's a football team for you. Such jokes are the same everywhere, blah, 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 blah. And then he went on to say Irish Evan didn't like playing on the left, but because we've got problems there at the moment, he's going to play there, blah, blah. And loads of other clubs are interested in, by the way. Barcelona and like loads of other clubs, loads of them, after his four goals. And then uh, two days later, it was like, how dare you? I didn't say any such thing. I made no such comments whatsoever. He says it's all made up. He's really happy at Arsenal. He says it looks like somebody, definitely not teammates of Andre, are jealous of Arshavin in particular and of Arsenal as well. He says, I've still got a lot of so-called friends who'd be happy to put a knife in my back. Well, you are a football agent after all. And I'm not sure too many people would be crying. Even the Daily Mail, who love their knife crime stories and how Britain is going to the wall because of knife crimes, the headline there would be, Man Stabbed in Back. But it was football agent, so it's all right. It's just worrying, though, isn't it, when this kind of stuff happens just three months after he's joined us. And whether he said whatever he said in the first place, it does seem a little remarkable that someone would go to the trouble of making stuff up for him because we know he's quite capable of talking a huge amount of shit all on his own. So, I mean, is there any real point in making stuff up? You just have to wait for him to say it himself. And if, if he didn't say it, well, then why don't you take some legal action against it? You know, protect your um, reputation such as it is. Uh, but anyway, uh, Arshavin is doing good stuff on the pitch. Long may that continue. And uh, hopefully his relationship with uh, Lecter is a short and fruitless one. He's got where he wants to go now and uh, he'll be happy enough to stay there. Uh, Sylvester. Hello, everyone. It's me again, Sylvester. I'm so disappointed about what happened at Old Trafford, let me tell you. I wanted to go back and win the game for Arsenal. You know, when you go back to your old club, it's like going back to an old lover. You want to look your best, you want to stand tall, and you want to say, look what you are missing. I am so proud, so virulent, so vital. And then after a little while, they look you in the eye, turn you over, and fuck you in the ass. Now we've got a game against Portsmouth on Saturday uh, at Portsmouth. Um, some injury news before that: Eduardo and Mikhail Sylvester both out. Uh, they've both got groin problems. Uh, Eduardo got his when Rio Ferdinand fell on him and broke some fibers in his groin. Fucking Ferdinand. The only thing he can hope for in retaliation uh, to that is that uh, Ferdinand's ribs are broken and he'll miss the rest of the season, which would be good. And it would be, I suppose, uh, good for us uh, coming into Tuesday's game if, if he was out. Um, Sylvester with a groin as well. Robin Van Persie also missing out. Uh, and he'll have a late fitness test ahead of the game on Tuesday to see whether he makes it or not. Gail Clichy is definitely out for both games. So he won't be back uh, for Manchester United. And I think we'll be lucky to see Gail Clichy back before the end of the season as well. So, um, yeah, uh, that's the injury news ahead of 
ahead of the game against Portsmouth. The manager is, I suppose, going to have to rotate a little bit uh, to see uh, to keep players fresh. But we don't have that many players to bring in. Arshavin will play and Bentner will play. Danielson will come in. Ibuwe will come in. Maybe we'll see Ramsey. He might get a game. Vela might get a game. He might even bring someone like uh, Jack Wilshire uh, into the first-team squad and give him a game. Because he really is going to have to make sure uh, as many of his first 11, and I'm sure he has a good idea of who it is he wants to pick uh, for Tuesday night, he's going to uh, he's going to have to keep them as fresh as possible. Portsmouth, I think, still need a point or two to make sure uh, of their safety for next season. So they're going to be... They're going to be trying. I know we've got a good cushion between us and Villa, but, you know, we could do it winning this game just to um, get ourselves back on track again. Uh, so we'll uh, we'll wait and see what happens there. But he's a strange man, Arsene. At times, a st- strange man. I'd been having a fairly quiet day. I was sitting around my office working on my novel. It's about a private investigator who sits around his office. Then NASA comes along. They need him to find a space alien that's missing in the Andromeda system. Unfortunately, the market for sci-fi pride dick ain't so big. There was a knock at the door. The guy came in. What do you want, mister? I said, I'm busy here. I need your help, he said. There's something wrong with me. Well, go see a doctor, I said. I already went, he said. You're my last resort. So what seems to be the problem, I said. Well, he said, I keep using things in the wrong places. I use my fish knife to cut steak. I store my red wine in the fridge. Last week, I brought my cat for a walk. And I keep trying to put square pegs in round holes. Oh, I said, this ain't good. What is it, he said. I'm afraid you've caught finger. Is that bad, he said. Yeah, I said. Fatal. Right, so uh, not really an awful lot else to talk about. The game uh, against Portsmouth on Saturday does seem kind of insignificant, uh, given the game that's coming on, on Tuesday. And all I can say about the game on Tuesday is, I hope we fucking kill them. I hope that this team can rise above the flaws that it has to beat what is probably the best team in Europe. I know you can talk about Barcelona playing all the great football they do, but United are a formidable team. They're champions, European champions. They've got great players. They can bring guys like O'Shea and Fletcher into the team. And you look at them in the team, you think, they're playing O'Shea and Fletcher. We've got a better chance than we might have done. But O'Shea and Fletcher can come in and, and do a good job. O'Shea scored the goal. I thought Fletcher was good in midfield. So they are a really, really good team. And we need, as I said earlier, to play not so much above ourselves, but as well as we can possibly play. Every single player on the pitch has to do it. Not just the goalkeeper. Not just the left back, who's only 18 years of age. Every single one of them. And the best way we can do that, I think, is by playing players where they should play. That means playing Cesc Fabregas in central midfield because he is our best central midfield player. He is a fantastic player, but he doesn't have the pace or the power to play as a support striker against a team like Manchester United. He can outpace Robert Huth. But then I could nearly give that a go. 
Sesk is not blessed with any pace whatsoever. He's blessed with great vision, great touch, awareness, the ability to create space around himself. And we lose that and we waste him if we play him as a support striker. A traditional 4-4-2 is the way I would go into this game. I don't know who we're going to have fit in defense, whether it's Gibbs or Sylvester or Juru. I'd be inclined to play Juru, I have to say. I thought Sylvester did all right against United. I really did. I thought he made some uh, some good challenges, some good interceptions. But I'd be inclined to play Juru just to give us that bit more pace at the back. And in midfield, let's go with Nasri on the left. Uh, Song and Fabregas in the middle. Walcott on the right. And then up front, who do you play? I mean, if Eduardo's not going to play and Van Persie's not fit, then it's difficult, isn't it, to play the 4 4 Because you've only got Carlos Vela and Adi Bayor. You know, I, I just don't see him playing uh, Bentner and Adi Bayor together. If Van Persie was fit, I'd be I'd be inclined to leave Adi Bayor on the bench, to be honest. I think his last couple of performances have been fairly abject. And you can't risk you can't risk him doing that again in a big game when everybody needs to be up for it. When everybody needs to give you 100%, it's difficult to trust a guy who, who quite obviously hasn't given you that in the last few games. But that's the setup that we need to, to have. We need to play our best players in their best positions. And uh, if we do that, then we've got a chance. And if we can hold United out and keep them from scoring, we've got a chance. But it, we need to do... Everything right on the night. Every single last thing. And hope that nothing goes wrong. Because one individual mistake could be the difference between going through and not. So fingers crossed. Let's not forget their cunts. If you're going to the game, lucky you, make so much noise. Because the crowd are going to be a big uh, factor. Uh, If we can intimidate them or make an intimidating atmosphere, it will make a difference. If the crowd and other players are behind them from the very start then it will help. It will help. So if you're going, make as much noise as you can. Uh, I'll be hiding behind my couch, probably with a beer in my hand or a bottle of wine, or indeed both, with a straw in each. It's going to be good. Uh, So until next week's Arscast, at which point we'll go through the uh, aftermath of that game, be it good or bad, uh, have yourselves a very good weekend. Uh, Talk to you all next week on the blog, and of course on next week's Arscast. Bye-bye. Cristiano Ronaldo hotline. If you'd like to leave a positive message for Cristiano, please press 1 now. If you'd like to call him a cunt, please press 2.
If you'd like to call him a fucking cunt, press 3. If you'd like to call him a diving fucking cunt, press 4. If you'd like to call him a cheating diving fucking cunt, press 5. If you'd like to call him a tantrum-throwing, cheating, diving, fucking cunt, press 6. If you'd like to call him a pointy Adam's apple-having, tantrum-throwing, cheating, diving, fucking cunt, please press 7. If you'd like to call him a crying, pointy Adam's apple-having, tantrum-throwing, cheating, diving, fucking cunt, please press 8. If you'd like to call him a step-overy, crying, pointy Adam's apple-having, tantrum-throwing, cheating, diving, fucking cunt, please press 9. You useless step over he crying pointy Adam's apple having tantrum throwing cheating diving fucking cunt I hope your fucking head falls off you prick Mom deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.